Welcome back to Brooko Mode. In this episode, I am joined by Subiaco footy star Taj Schofield alongside his best mate and podcast favourite Harry Quayle. Taj was destined for AFL success, showcasing great talents from a young age, as well as having a 200-plus game premiership winning dad in Jared Schofield. The dream wasn't to be delisted after two years without playing a game and back into the waffle system. Taj, in his own words, was just a little boy and has grown immensely since his delisting. With a new perspective on life and a more determined than ever attitude to get back onto an AFL list, expect to learn about the roller coaster of AFL, expectations, athlete mindset, life balance, ego and confidence, the impact of having a dad playing AFL, working with disabled kids and much, much more. If you do love this show, please rate it five stars as it will make a difference in the long run. Thank you, and let's get into it. I didn't really know how to tell people what was happening. You've got to start living life. It's not going to last forever. If you've got something nice to say, say it. It's such a negative world. Why don't we start changing the way we talk? No, I've never been scared of dying. Stop judgment for curiosity. If you love yourself and the important people in your life love you, then that's all you really need. Taj, what's the happiest you've been playing football? Oh, probably this year. Just the whole year in general, I reckon. Like, playing footy to have fun, not playing for... Or playing to win premierships and with your mates, but not not probably, yeah, anything more than that. I just saw it as something that I always did when I was younger. And I, when I was younger, I was having fun, so... Um, yeah, probably just this whole year in general, I reckon. That's advice. Yeah, easy yeah. advice. <laughs> probably. Um, when you were younger, though, was it always the thought of the next level? Yeah, p- probably. Like, it, I guess everyone, like, you guys probably were the same as well. Like, when you're younger, you always look up to the AFL in general and AFL players, and it's always like, everyone's like, oh, I want to play AFL one day. But it's probably not until you get closer to it and you realise that, like, it's actually a genuine chance and you either sort of go one way or the other I reckon like you either go oh like I'm probably no chance of making the AFL or you go like I'm I feel like I'm a chance I'll give it a crack so yeah I guess probably as you get older and when you get um closer to it you sort of realize whether it's the thing you want to do and I guess yeah I feel like as long as I've ever known you as well though like even when you're like 13 14 it was always like that was like the option for you sort of thing. Yeah. So it was like you've spent sort of <clears throat> your whole teenage years not expecting it to happen because you can't expect something like that to happen, but you were prepared for that to be the sort of possibility of your yeah, whole future, yeah. I guess. Hundred percent. Agree. Yeah. From a non, that was from a non biased point of view. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's hard to obviously talk about yourself, I guess, in that instance. But it was it was always like seemed like it was inevitable. Yeah. From a young age. Yeah, I feel like you're right. The it goes sort of two ways in high school. Then once you're like, you can see the blokes who are starting to stand out, and then it sort of becomes justified like why they commit so much because there's the potential to play AFL. Yeah. Um, but then also, I reckon it's like people like me in the middle ground, or people who like like clearly aren't at that potential to play at an <laughs> AFL level. Like sometimes it becomes hard to try hell hard because yeah. you don't want to be labelled that 
person, yeah. even though you really care about being the best. And there's a lot of people, it's just easier to stop trying rather than still committing to being your yeah. best. That's yeah. what I was going to say. It sort of happens like naturally. <coughs> like I probably said then it like you sort of decide, but it probably is more of like a natural thing that the the better players obviously will stand out more. And as you said, like the players who might not be up to the same level, like it's a weird situation where you don't want to try super hard when you probably aren't. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you might not Because you could, you're justified that you're allowed to dedicate however many hours a day or week. Mm -hmm. Like, whereas if you're in that mid ground, if you're looking like, at least back then, if you're looking like you're trying too hard, you're just like labels like a try hard. And wherever you look at someone as Taj growing up, no one ever like blinked twice if it was, you know, training all the time because it was just like, seemed like it was sort of justified, I guess. Can relate to that being sort of in that middle ground, and it's just natural. You just pull away because it's external. It's what it's is expected of someone who is that high level to be doing it. But then it just comes down to fear of judgment and letting other people, you know, have a big influence on your journey. Like when when I got delisted, that was probably like the thing that, or like referring back to when you're younger, it was something that like probably like affected me a bit because it's like my whole life, well, not my whole life, like my whole junior career, you're always sort of seen as like the the guy is going to play in the AFL one day and then it happens and you're so like, everyone's like, oh, sort of just like expect, not expected it, but like sort of saw it coming. Not surprised, yeah. yeah not surprised. And then two years and it's done like that. And then you sort of, you don't lose your identity, but it's like I've always been known as the, the good footy player and then it's just like not that it's gone but it's like you're not in the AFL so you're not like you kind of just like lose that identity a little bit and that was probably something that I struggled with a little bit like getting delisted and then moving back to Perth like all my mates here knew that I was obviously living in Adelaide for footy and then you're back and you're still playing footy but it's just I don't know it's probably a bit of that what I was sort of thinking people might have been thinking of me. Um, and just that ego as well. Like anyone who's striving to be the best needs a, a sense of ego to like get the best out of themselves. And obviously you can have an ego over the top where it goes in like the bad direction. But just that humbling ego where like you know what level you're sort of at. And like we said, it's stripped all away from you and it would just like suck the life out of you. It's, you can relate to any industry, I guess, when it's like, you're sort of put on a pedestal to succeed and you sort of get there or you might not get there, but you're sort of viewed as like a higher, like higher up in comparison to other people your age or, um, and then when it's like sucked away from you, it's just like, you just sort of, back, you, it's just ground, like humbling and grounding and it's like, it's just a big shock to the system I'd imagine. Yeah, and it's like, when you get drafted, it's like, it almost feels like, like people and people watching are probably like, sort of you feel like you've achieved what everyone was expect, like what they thought was going to happen. And then so then when you're in it, you sort of forget about it. But then then when it's all sort of comes to an end, you're just like, oh, shit. Like, like it's, it's not sort of like what do I do now, but it's like everyone just thought that when you get drafted, you play for 10 years and have a really long, successful career. And I was probably like that. When I got drafted, I probably never would have thought that it would have been done in two years. And then when it is, it's just like, you just sort of like a little bit lost essentially because you're just like, it's all you've grown up knowing and thinking that that's how it will sort of play out. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, when it doesn't, 
it's obviously so because you're expecting it is that what made it feel more like well getting delisted always going to be fucking hard but did it feel like more of a a failure internally because there was that expectation already there versus like that smoky that gets picked up in the mid-season rookie draft um, nothing to hold, yeah. yeah, there's like almost nothing to lose for someone yeah. like that. But you've sort of come in with everyone's like, oh, Taj, like going to be an AFL gun. Yeah. And, and it's probably like, and I've always said, and I, I still will say now, like I never really felt the pressure or expectation from having a dad that played in the AFL. Like, and everyone always used to ask me and I was, always, I genuinely didn't really feel that, that pressure to be like him or like be as good as him or anything like that. Um, but then that's probably where sort of that expectation comes from is that people just think I'm going to be like dad and played in a premiership and played over 200 games. And then, but then when I got delisted, like I probably at the, at the time I probably didn't really like think about it. But then when I got delisted, like I'll sort of look back on it and I'm like, I probably did just go in thinking that I'd have a similar career to dad, but at the time I didn't really think about it. Um, and yeah, so then when you get delisted and it's done after two years, you sort of just like, shit, like didn't really <laughs> plan it like that. Like it's just, I don't know, it's a bit of a weird feeling. Like it's, yeah, you just don't. Do you think you would have, sorry to cut you off, it seemed like you pretty much done it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like I remember pre-draft and I would have said it to you pre-draft and I would say it to like everyone, but like I was hoping as like a mate that you'd get drafted like interstate, yeah, to like a Melbourne team or even back to Perth or Queens, like wherever it was, because I felt like, to succeed in something like that, you need to get out of like your normal lifestyle, yeah. and like it got so like no no comforts were stripped at all, and you just sort of ticked over the same way as you were like years before. Like, do you feel, um, like do you hold not regret, but like is there anything inside you that's like fuck? Like, I wish things were different oh. in that sense, or are you sort of yeah, hundred percent with that? Nah, I like obviously at the time I'd really wanted to play at port obviously like try and follow dad's footsteps but it, then looking back on it now i obviously going to ask myself questions and sort of be like shit like yeah. well, not saying i would have got picked up anywhere else but like if that did happen things could have like might have been a bit different but yeah i guess it's kind of hard to say now because it's all sort of been and gone and but if, then again like if i got an opportunity again then i'll sort of realize like It'd be so much different. yeah like it be so much different but yeah i don't know it's kind of hard to say because it's sort of done now but do you think they should move the draft age higher i don't know like it's kind of it's hard it's i reckon it's a hard one because you see 18 year olds come in like for example nick dacos he's only 19 probably i think he's 19 maybe 20 yeah 19 and he's literally nearly won a brown so it's like people say you need to wait till 21 and when people develop, but like then you see eighteen year olds come in and do perfectly fine. But then again, I, I guess it's just like everyone's different. Like some people might develop at different rates, and like Harry, for example, like when he was younger, he was like the skinniest like, <laughs> bloke ever. I'd like, be picked up if times were different. Pipes, yeah. pipes on him now. No, gen- gen- yeah, you can yeah. see. But genuinely, like, and then you look at him I now. I got thirteen centimeters and fifteen kilos in yeah. one year. Like when I think I was year eleven or something, and then just kept on going after that. Really, like I feel like I feel like it's just so like it'd be too much of a grey area if they like race. I think it's not nothing to do with a number, but like it's like it shouldn't be such a close. Again, I'm 
what am I to say? But from my outside opinion, it's just as soon as you sort of turn 19 or like your draft year's done, it seems like they just close the book on that lot and it's just like, all right, let's grab this next lot. Yeah. When like it should, should have, I feel like there just should be more ample opportunity for like 19, 20, 21 year olds to shine in their own light, I guess. Yeah. And like probably have their own, whether it's their own separate comp or like a merge comp where it's like 17 to 21 year olds versus each other. Cause like it just seems like as soon as you t- like you lose your draft year, like you just sort of forgotten about. Exactly. Cause it's just that obsession. It's just like that shining. I forgot the theory is called, but it's like that obsession with just new things. And it's like, oh, okay, we've from like the recruiter's point of view, it's like, oh, we've spent all our time looking at them. Let's look at these new fresh 18 year olds. Like, it's like anything, like you always just want something new to look at and like experiment with, like rather than just sticking with the old, you know what I mean? That's even like me now, like got drafted when I was 18, you spend two years in the system and then you're out. But it's almost just like, because I was in the system for two years, now I'm done. Like clubs might just look at you and be like, sort of, you've had, you've had your opportunity already. Whereas like, I feel like I played probably better footy this year than I did last year when I was in the AFL. So it's like, it's, I don't know, it's a bit of a tricky situation because they obviously do have their eyes on the 18 year olds. But then again, it's like, I'm only two, three years older than them. So it's like, I don't know, it's kind of, kind of a hard situation and they do probably close the book and look to see it. Maybe, yeah, 18 year olds who have an extra, like another three years essentially. But yeah, I don't know, it's a bit of a, Bit of a hard, hard one, I reckon. When, because I feel like the biggest difference between like the semi-professional, like waffle, sample, VFL and the AFL is just the time you get to become elite at your craft because you're full-time. It's your job, obviously. But is that what you see the the biggest thing is why when people get picked into the system at 18, they improve so much is generally because they just have so much time to better themselves in so many areas. Yeah. And you just get like, as you said, it's your job. So you literally are just doing footy 24 seven. Um, and don't get me wrong, like state league comps and programs within teams and clubs are still like, like coming back to Subi, the only really difference is like that we train at nighttime and like, we don't have as many meetings. That's actually the only thing. And yeah, they get a big bag as well. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it's like, that's probably the biggest thing. And as you said, like, that's why you probably see players develop so quickly because literally all they're doing is footy and being educated by top level coaches. Um, so obviously, yeah, their, their um, development's going to be like fast tracked compared to someone who spends a year. Say, like, someone gets drafted compared to someone in a state league program, like if they're both rising at the same, like obviously the one in the AFL is going to rise quicker. Um, And yeah, I guess everyone sort of learns differently and gets better off different things. So, um, but then again, in saying that, if you're in the state league program and you don't feel like you're getting enough craft or whatever it is, you you can still find time to, like I feel like now I literally do more craft than what I did when I was at, um, Port Adelaide because I'm just finding more time to do it now because I know that I need to ki- like stay at that level if I want to get back into the AFL. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I s- pretty much do the exact same amount of craft, if not more, but it's more so just like the meetings and sort of little nitty-gritty things that you don't 
probably get at state league clubs. What's the what balance did you have when you were at an AFL club? Because I feel like that's the massive thing. It's like you're getting paid. It's all for football, and that's where the young people I feel like go wrong. And it's it's all footy. They don't have that balance, and then if they get delisted, they start playing incredible footy because they have like more perspective and a better life balance. Yeah. Well, like my first year, I didn't really do anything. I didn't do anything outside of footy. I just played footy and played Fortnite. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. Actually, yeah. Um, and so like, but they sort of say your first six to twelve months, like they like you did sort of just get in a bit of a groove and get used to it all because it, it obviously is a, um, massive jump from under eighteens or Colts footy, um, and just the workloads and getting used to all of that sort of stuff. And people probably don't understand what it actually is like because even my mates like they're like, mate, we're on the tools all day and you're literally there playing footy. And I'm like, yeah, but we've just run 15Ks in the morning then have to sit in like hour-long meetings and focus and learn game plans and structures and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, it's a bit different. But um, then in my second year, I just did like my Cert 3 in fitness. So something pretty cruisy, nothing too hectic. Um, and I definitely found it took my mind off footy, which definitely helps, obviously. Because if you're just thinking about it the whole time, you, yeah, you probably overthink things and... Um, it can can sort of wear you down a little bit. Um, but then, yeah, then even this year, like playing footy, working and doing a little bit of study as well, like I feel like I had a pretty good balance this year along with hanging out with mates and whatnot. Um, and, yeah, probably played pretty like some of my best footy this year. So I guess it's sort of hard to tell, but off that, yeah. I'd probably say it helps. But, yeah, do I you don't f- know. Do you feel like you ever got the – you, you had an easy sort of route, like, with people. Like, they would put you in that category of, like, oh, you know, his, his dad played footy, like, he's got this roadmap. But you're still doing an incredible amount of hard work. Yeah. And it's people almost just say, like, oh, we've got to work all day, like, on the tools. But you're putting so much time. And I just feel like because people expected you because you did so well, they almost confuse that with it being easy. Yeah. And I feel like, especially in my draft year, like even when we'd play against teams, like guys on other teams would sort of just be like, oh, mate, like you're only getting drafted because you're dad. But it's like a team wouldn't draft you if you're not good. Like even if your dad did play there or whatnot. And it's not like I don't train, I don't do extras and I'm just getting sort of like gifted an AFL opportunity. Like I'd, I'd probably be doing more training than anyone else and dedicating like my life more than anyone else um and then i guess it's sort of just a bit of reward for effort um and people probably don't see the the stuff that not just me but anyone else does behind closed doors um but yeah and anyway at that age like <clears throat> what other 16 17 year old like like it's easy to look back now when you sort of bit old and you have a bit more direction you know what you want to do whatever but like at that age there's no one who knows what they're going to do or want to do. So, like, for, sort of just realise it now, but, like, how sick is it at that age, 15, 16, 17, to, like, have a purpose and, like, be working so hard all these countless hours to try and just, like, have a crack at something? Yeah. Like, that's literally what I'm doing now at 21, like, working hell hard, putting all my spare time and energy into, like, trying to make a business and, like, have a crack at that. And, like, that's what these Taj and all these other kids around Australia are doing, like, at age 15, 16, they've discovered what they want to do 
and they're dedicating two, three, four years, whatever it is, just grinding and hustling to try and like achieve what they want to do. And it's like, like I was saying before, all these people from the outside have their jobs and shit, and they're like, "Oh, you got it easy, blah blah." blah. But like, if you if they knew <clears throat> if they knew what they wanted to at fifteen, and they spent all these hours on trying to achieve their their goal, they probably would have got it. Like they've ended up doing whatever they're doing now purely because they didn't know what they wanted to do. If they at fifteen decided they wanted to start a brand or they wanted to play footy or they wanted to, I don't know, start a podcast and they dedicated fucking forty hours a week, whatever it was, through fifteen, sixteen, seventeen doing that, they probably would have achieved whatever they wanted to do before. But it's the fact that they again, ninety percent ninety nine percent of people are they are they like they went through their school not knowing what they wanted to because you don't know what you want to do at that age. But like it's so like when you find something that you want to do, the only way to achieve it and like get better at it is just by like hounding away at it. Like nothing's ever going to get given to you easy. AFL as well, like talent gets you so far in anything in life and luck can get you so far. But even so, luck in my eyes doesn't exist. Luck's about working hard, and putting yourself in opportunities to be able to succeed. And it's exactly that. Like, at 15, you're just hustling away. Like, that's fucking sick. I wish I was hustling at that yeah, age. it's a purpose piece, isn't yeah. it? Because so many, you'd see it at our age, so many people just lack purpose yeah. with whatever they're doing. And it's just so energising to wake up and be like, fuck yeah, like, I get to put my time into this. Like, I wish I had something yeah. like that at that age. I like, s- I was going to say as well, and that's probably where, like, what I was sort of saying before is where I struggled when I got delisted because my draft year and even sort of the year before, um, like my bottom age year, I'd had I'd already spoken to Port and because I was a father son, it was like a really really high possibility that I was going to end up there. And if I didn't end up there, it might have been somewhere else. But I always sort of it sounds pretty arrogant, but like I was always sort of told by my management and that sort of stuff that like mate going to end up on the AFL list whether that's at Port or somewhere but you end up there and so I probably looking back now and reflecting I probably just blocked out everything every single thing and just focused purely on footy and that's probably where I came a little bit unstuck because then when I got delisted after two years not thinking it's going to be done that quickly I was it was done and I'd put all these hours and sort of all my eggs into one basket and then I got delisted and I was like fuck like what do I do now? Like, cause it's literally two years and potentially two years at uni that you've missed out on. Um, so yeah, that l- reflecting now, it's probably made me maybe a little bit unstuck, but I guess I don't have any regrets and I wouldn't change a thing because I can definitely say I'd put my all into And who's not to say that it won't happen again, but I definitely, and I still am putting, putting my all into getting drafted. I think as well in the position that you're in, from like a um, like you'd tell me most things what was happening like with draft and training all that like it felt as if Port like sort of like hid you away from like the rest of the country in the sense that like I remember when you drafted you were getting injured and stuff like that and like that would sort of be like yeah no all good like take your time to get back whereas like any other kid at that point would have done everything they can to just put their name up on the board even more and like hound away yeah. whether that's a good thing or a bad thing in my eyes, at least, I was always like, like what I said before, hoping you'd go somewhere else just purely for your like own development. Yeah, that's and it probably is a, a bad thing in that sense because like, and you see it all the time with all the academy players and I've heard stories about it with like um, 
like I heard, I think it was like an NBA one, and it's the same thing sort of happened with that. And it's like they knew they you wanted them, you knew that they wanted you, and it was sort <laughs> of like you sort of just like weren't able to completely just like go balls in. I think if that makes sense. Yeah. 100%. And then also back to what you were saying before, like when you came out of the system, you, like I feel like it's only really now these last few months where, at least from my point of view, where it feels like you've sort of become comfortable with like your life now is like post AFL. Mm. Like you got your own direction, like comfortable with, with like your relationships and friendships and your routines in life and like happy to move on from the thought. Like it's almost like you're playing footy now for the, like we said for for the fun of it and you've moved on from the thought of like AFL is like my career and like building a career and like building yes. a purpose outside of that. And if it comes along awesome but like it's almost like afl could be like an option and it also could be like a roadblock in the sense that like you could build a a sick <coughs> career where you prefer to put your time into that if that makes sense yeah well that was like when it first all happened i was so just like literally thought my world was ending i was like because again it's all i sort of prepared for and put all my eggs into one basket um and so early on and even early on in the year i was probably doing my own head in because I was just like just I, I was almost like trying too hard like I just wanted it so bad and wanted to be back in that position so bad and it probably wasn't till like sort of midway through the year where I realized like it was after like the mid-season draft yeah, it was yeah. kind of just like life isn't that bad like it's not, like there's so much more to life mm-hmm. than footy and once I sort of realized that um I guess it probably took a lot of weight off my shoulders and but then at the same time, I feel like I've got a good balance now of like, yeah, I know that's what I still want to do and I'm still working really hard towards that. But then also knowing that like, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be okay. Like mm. it's not going to be the end of the world because I've just lived with it for a year already and I'm used to, I already know what it feels like. Um, and I guess that's very pretty relieving. And I'd imagine of, like getting to this is much like a breakup in the sense that like, you spend all this time like yeah. putting in all this effort to like make things work and you're so like comfortable, whatever. And it's like, it, obviously different breakups different, but it's all stripped away from you. And then you're like, oh my God, no, but like, I want to make it work. Blah, blah, yeah, you want yeah. it to work, like, but it just, yeah, yeah, like working it just out. you don't have any control. Yeah, then it. at the start of the next season, it's like, but like you think, all you're thinking is like, I'm good enough, like I can do this. And then you're trying so hard to like be good enough, like you what you would if you thought you got broken up for, with no reason or whatever. <laughs> and then it's just like, you could, like you, there's nothing you can do about it at that point and then it was like from my standpoint it was like when the mid-season draft happened and you realize like it almost like felt like you were forcing things to try and just make an impact for the mid-season and do the right things and when that sort of passed it was just that mental yeah free game i then it's 100%. it's evident in so many like you probably ask any successful afl player or any successful person in any field and like so much of it's driven between the years whether oh. like and the sense that like the relief of not having to I guess just play with freedom and well how many AFL players start playing unbelievable once they have a kid yeah. Yeah. I see that that um all the time yeah. um what's it like on the flip side you always hear it as well when they like sign a massive contract oh. and they start playing shit complacency like, yeah. yeah um has it helped with the perspective of working with disabled kids this year? Because I feel like Australia has such a huge footy culture. You define yourself by it. You're putting all your time and energy. But at the end of the day, you're kicking a ball around. Yeah. So is that working with 
disabled people really help with your perspective. Yeah, hundred percent. And even just like, just not even on a footy basis, like just in general, like general life, just everything. Like they get so much enjoyment out of like the smallest, tiniest things, and like in terms of, and even just like referring to footy, like their skills and stuff, obviously aren't sort of anywhere near as good as an AFL player, but... Or just a... Yeah, just anyone in general. Like me. Yeah. But it's just like the fun that they have doing it, sort of just like, I guess it's just sort of like a reminder of like, just, yeah, it's not that deep. Little things. Yeah, yeah, literally just have fun. And then I guess all if you're having fun, like I guess everything sort of just comes off the back of that. Um, But yeah, definitely has like, I don't know about you, Harry, but yeah. when I, I don't feel like I've ever had a bad day at work because it's just like it's always they're always just so up and about. Like even if you're not in the greatest mood or whatever, like you just I don't know they just find a way to bring joy. Um, but yeah, it definitely has helped. I reckon mm. that's definitely been a big shift for me this year as well. Like allowing myself to excel in everything I'm trying to do, fitness business etc was like the turning point for me was changing my jobs like i was working in construction and just like not looking forward to any day at work really and like i was i speak about it every day it managed to come up in conversation like a few times a week but ever since i quit my old job and i started working in disability support like there's not been a single day where i've been like i've woken up or i've gone to bed you know that feeling when you go to bed and you're like Fuck, I really wouldn't mind just like staying home today. Mm. Like I haven't had that feeling all year or all seven, eight months. I think it started like April and that like for the standpoint of like productivity and like allowing me to flourish outside of like work has just been an absolute like gem to me because it's just my mind's just been free and it's almost just like a break away from like my business at home. I go there and I don't think about things and I just have fun, have a good day come home back in the grind rather than like being at work all day getting all head noise like how shit it's like what am I doing wasting time like getting up not enjoying a single part of this like and it's just I think that's where like probably turned on all my like creative juices and like definitely purpose and happiness in life is just like simply being able to enjoy and look forward to every day and not have to dread a day and I've said it many times like on this podcast is that like the old thing of dreading Mondays is just so long gone to me. One, because like hardly been drinking, but two, because of that, like I enjoy my work and I'm not getting up on a Monday morning being like, fuck me, back to this shitty office for another week. Like I actually can go to work and just swing into my routines and not let it sort of interrupt my ambitions in my personal life. It's almost a good litmus test for um, your life. How much to enjoy Mondays? Yeah, <laughs> it sort of really speaks to where you're sitting. At yeah, I feel like the more you, I think I've said it before, the more you enjoy Mondays is more of a sign of how like well your life's going, or how much control you have in your life. Because yeah. a lot of the people who feel pressured with these nine to five lifestyles dread Mondays. Yeah. Um, you two boys been getting up quite early to go to the beach. How's that been? Yeah, good. I've it's sort of just ingrained in me now where. I'd, I just wake up early, like without an alarm. I just, I've been dragging Taj along with me recently. He's hit or miss some days, but he's, he's <laughs> I don't blame him. Yeah, <laughs> now, now it's more into it because one of those things where, like, 
it's so uncomfortable to begin with. No one likes being tired, but like, this is how I related to it. And it, fuck it, I had a conversation about it not too long ago. I'd gone a bit off topic, but I just want to explain this for a second. Like daylight saving, right? You, if you wake up at six o'clock and then all of a sudden it's daylight saving, and now it's like seven o'clock, whatever. But you're still waking up at like that same minute, or like you. It's hard to explain, but like, let's say it's five a.m. now, and I'm waking up. But then now daylight savings happen, and like now five a.m. is actually four a.m. Yeah, whatever it is, people then like use daylight savings as an excuse to like get more sunlight. But like, you could just wake up at the exact same time just because it says six a.m. on your clock. Well, you're just trying to say times a construct, and these yeah, numbers are arbitrary. It just fucks me off. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What you're but yeah, to, back to what the actual question was is yeah, I just like. And jobs allowed for a bit more flexibility with that, but like just getting up and feeling like I've achieved something before anyone else has even woken up. Like we say every morning yeah. we do it. We like we'll to motivate you. Yeah, we'll gym in this morning. We'll gym in this morning. I think that when Ty said it was like ten past seven, I was like, fuck, it's ten past seven. We're just about to finish our gym session and everyone else is sleeping. Like it's such like a yeah. Yeah, just like that ego thing. Like you yeah. you just feel better than other people. It's and I've found that like once like this morning, Harry had to call me to like actually get me out of bed. <laughs> but like once you're up and you're moving and like you're literally fine. And then like, because we've been going to the beach, obviously the cold water makes you feel like so good. Yeah. But then like, like this morning we did a gym session instead. And as, and as Harry was saying, like we we're done by like literally seven o'clock, but you've already been up for like two hours and you yeah. just like, your body's already moving. And like, I don't know, it's just like, it's such a cliche thing to say, but it's such a good way to start the day. And I probably haven't really, probably never really realized it until you start doing it. And like now, like I actually hell enjoy doing yeah. it. And your and body just adjusts. Like if you want to start waking up earlier, I think the hardest thing is just getting through those first week or so, because then you get your bedtime routine. Like you wake up at five or whatever. And then you, all of a sudden you start getting tired by seven because you might've gone to bed at 11 that night. Like yeah. once you, you cut it, you, Shit. you cut of losses at the start on loss of sleep at the start but then you start adjusting and you, as long as you're getting like an optimal amount of sleep mm. you know what I mean That's like what all it is is just that that mentality of fuck it's early like I should be back back asleep and once you sort of just defeat that like number on your fucking screen and you just start getting up and doing things yeah that's kind of what you, you was you the way Harry explained it and sort of got me over the line to start doing it was like he was like you go say you go to bed at ten o'clock and you wake up at six o'clock what's it any different to going to bed at nine o'clock and waking up at five o'clock it's still the exact same thing it's just a number on your phone and when he said it like that I was kind of like and another thing oh, I remember shit, like another thing I remember I said is like if you go to bed at nine o'clock com- compared to ten o'clock which was that difference between me and Taj I was going I was in bed at like eight sort of falling asleep just for nine he would be falling asleep at like 11 it's like what did Taj do between nine and 11 he was sitting in bed and he was scrolling through TikTok or Instagram and I was like I was like what is there anything I was like when you're scrolling on TikTok in your bed or Instagram on your bed there's nothing there that you've looked at and be like fuck yeah like I'm glad I scrolled for a couple of hours tonight like if you if you really want to scroll nothing against it like the more you fucking scroll, the more views the podcast is going to get and the more sales <laughs> I'm going to get. So keep on scrolling in my eyes. But if you want to scroll, like wake up, like do it the next day. Like sort of put your phone away, like go to bed to sleep. And the more you strip back a- any other distractions in bed, 
and just purely have it as like your nighttime routine, the better you're going to start sleeping because, yeah, there's nothing, there's no scrolling that you're going to do when you're in bed that you're going to be like, fucking, and I'm, I, I said that to him last week and then it, I remember you were like, yeah, fuck, I never actually looked like, <laughs> never looked at it like that because it's so true. Like all you're doing is just delaying the inevitable of just going to sleep, just fucking. Well, like, how many people scroll on their phones and they're in a very, very happy mood? Yeah. Every time you're feeling your best, you're present. You're either yeah. with mates, you're gymming, you're exercising, you're focused on some craft other than on, on social media. Well, I like there are good elements to it, of course, but 100%. there's a time when you're scrolling for X amount of minutes isn't going to yeah. bring much more I to I even you. find like, obviously like when you're on your phone and you go to bed, like there's obviously studies that show like you don't get as like good a sleep. But I found like before I go to bed now, like journaling – and then I'm not the best reader, but like at least attempting to read like a mm. few pages, like it actually helps you sleep. Like I yeah. found it like this morning when we woke up, I did it last night and I woke up easily. Like, yeah. <laughs> woke up Finally. easily this morning. But like, yeah. I don't know. I just find like little things like that, that I'm starting to learn. And I guess you don't really know until you try. Yeah. It's um, accumulation of it. Like it, once you start, I just read the slide edge and that's probably, I gave it to Taj as well for his birthday. Both started at the same time, and I, I knew he wasn't gonna read it at the same pace I was. So I was like, "Yeah, if you read, if you finish it before me, like I've got another birthday present for you." <laughs> no one, he wasn't gonna finish it. I'm like, but I, pages that was hundred percent like the best book I've ever read, and it's just about that. Like the general consensus is about that. Like how small things just slowly stack up over time and just make all the difference. And it's so easy to start, and it's so easy not to start, and it's just like the whole thing of. People, we we always we spoke about it before on and off camera, but people losing motivation and focus because they don't see results, and it's results aren't going to come straight away. The only way a results going to come is through repeat efforts and just constantly, like we were talking about for training or putting in hours or whatever it is. And people have such short attention spans and just want click that button and get a win, like on the pokies and stuff like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> <sports bear>. yeah. <laughs> people just want people just that's the whole thing people just want to fucking spin that whatever the lever and just get something mm. and like life's not like that you can't just get things you got to like put in work and things add up and then you see reward long term but like people just don't want to make a start and things like going to the beach every day or working out every day or writing down a journal, reading 10 pages of your book or starting a business, starting brainstorming, whatever it is, everything starts with something small. Like I got it. This is actually a fucking good little quote. I got it written on one of my desktops. Every pro was once an amateur. Every expert was once a beginner. So dream big and start now. Like Mm. you look at anyone who you want to be in their position. You might be Joe Rogan. I might be fucking Nike or whatever it is like <laughs> you, any AFL player anyone one day they were just like us and they knew nothing and they had no skill all they had was a dream and they chased it like some people might have had a head start due to talent or due to someone they knew or capital or resources whatever it is but at the core of every successful person was once just like a young boy or a teenager or a young man with a big dream and they just started and then over time they just worked and worked and worked and then they got there. And people are so look at these people on their pedestals and idolise them, but people are just so afraid to start because they don't 
see what it took to get to that position. And then they start or, I mean, the hardest thing is starting, but they may start and then they just veer off past straight away because they don't see results. But yeah. it just doesn't happen like that. People's right? past define them too much. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah, you go, Tan. No, I was just going to say, like, and everyone just expects, like, and you probably felt it when you started up Blues and Greens, is that, like, you started and just expected to be, like, I don't know, like Mertra or something. You, like as soon as you started, you wanted to be like them. Yeah. And I'm, I've said to I've said to you like multiple times, like for where you are, like right now, you're doing six like months in or whatever, seven months well, in. Like yeah. compared to, well, I don't know what what they were like then, but like yeah. it's like you got to put it into perspective of like where they, how long they've been doing it, and where they are now compared to where you are and how long you've been. Doing yeah, it. and also just put in the perspective of you on your own people's success has come at different rates due to various things like appreciate your own journey and just allow yourself to grow at your own time and i have i've i've my mindset more than ever like since i've last even been on the podcast and right now more than ever like i feel so much more confident and determined than i ever have and like there's not a single doubt in my mind that anything's gonna you know i mean like i'm not gonna get where i want to be because i I know that I'm like I want to achieve big, and I know whatever it is, I've got me and Taj have already started drafting up a few other business ventures and stuff like that. And whatever it may be, I know that like I'm going to get there because I just know I've got that dog attitude where I just won't. <laughs> you got, he's got that dog <laughs> in. Yeah, I've got that dog <laughs> in. Where I, just I just won't let myself fail. Like I'll just keep on fucking working, and like if something fails, I'll learn from it. Like it, I just know that things aren't just going to come easy and I'm more than happy to put in work like whatever it is. Well don't yeah don't compare your first quarter to someone's yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah. What, what was that like at AFL then Taj like you, you're just a young bloke and then you see these blokes like Travis Boak absolute like professionals but they've been doing these things for like what about the Brownlee medalists? Yeah it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> they've been doing it for 10 plus years so they're absolutely like it's like people just expect you to come in and almost know like there's a bit there's so much naivety around like how what to do and you learn so much but that's the tough thing about being dealers you don't get that opportunity to learn so many more things that would have made you a better footballer yeah 100 percent. and like i feel like when i first got drafted you come in and you're just like this little boy and you're just like sort of not not going through the paces but you don't like come into like i don't know how to explain it like you don't personally I probably didn't come in being like I'm as good as Travis Boat whereas like that's where Harry was sort of saying like you sort of need like an ego like that mm -hmm. like you like you coming in and you're just as good and it's probably not until like I was getting like in the squad and being emergency and that sort of stuff and like you like then that sort of confidence side comes and you're like fuck like I, I feel like I could mm -hmm. play in this team now and then then that can lead to sort of like comparing to players who are in the team who aren't in the team um, and then yeah as you said like then it's a matter of sort of putting it into perspective and realising like potentially who you're comparing yourself to was in your position 15 years ago like mm -hmm. it's just like I don't know and like we've sort of um, touched on it briefly but so much of especially in the AFL like you can be as fit and strong and skillful but if you're not mentally like fit and strong upstairs like you just genuinely can't survive. Crumble, yeah. Like, it, like, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned over the last three years is, like, 
your mind literally controls every single thing. Like, yeah, you can... The more you realise that, the more you succeed as yeah, well. Yeah, you can bench press 150 kilos, you can run a six-minute 2K, you can do whatever, but if you don't have the mindset or the confidence or the belief or whatever it is, you genuinely just, like, you just can't, like, do what you need to do. And that's what I've found even this year. Like, I had a hell good off-season last last off-season thinking I'm going to come in with the mindset that I'm going to come in and dominate didn't probably happen early on and I had to quickly realise that like it wasn't because I wasn't fit or wasn't because I've lost my talent or anything like that it was literally because of my mindset going into games and the quicker I realised that was the quicker like saw results yeah I saw results and even just like your mind to body like I find if I'm overthinking things, I genuinely like cramp like really bad. And it comes from like, cause I'm overthinking things. I get anxiety before games and I've already used up energy before the games even started. Like when I was in preseason, you run like you're running like 10, more 10, yeah, yeah, more ga- hot heat. yeah, more, more ga- um, kilometers than I would in a game. But then I'd get in a game and be cramping in the middle of the third quarter. And it's just like, it's clearly not because I'm not fit. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got something else. And just like, yeah, and things like that, like you sort of just learn over time. Um, but it just goes to show that like your mind literally controls so much. And once you learn how to sort of deal with that. and Sorry to interrupt this episode, but if you're an athlete like Taj, then you'll need to keep on top of your hydration. Summer is coming and you'll be sweating lots but you may not be replacing the essential electrolytes like sodium and magnesium in your sweat. Coda Electrolytes. I started taking them since last year and they played a massive role in my improved performance this year. You can't just drink water, you need to replenish your electrolytes and Coda's instant dissolvable sticks are not only delicious, but simple to use and affordable. Use the discount code BROOKOMODE for 10% off store-wide. The link is in my show notes. Now back to Taj. I've got different ways and techniques that I'd use now um, and I find that they definitely help. But, yeah, the mind has such a powerful impact on everything. You, yeah, you live in what you think. Like, you live in the life of what you're thinking in your head. So, like, you may as well make it a good place and yeah. believe in yourself. And with the whole ego thing, it, like, it is such a balance, but, like, it's such a healthy thing with anything. If you don't have confidence in yourself... Yeah why the fuck would anyone else have confidence in you? Like mm. in footy, if you don't think you're good enough to make the team, why would the coach think you're good enough? Or in like selling clothes, if you don't think your products are good and you don't like them, why would anyone else buy them? Yeah. So before anything, before like trying to like fine-tune skills or stuff, you just got to simply, truly and wholly believe that like you're good enough for whatever it is because no one else is going to – like no one else's words – of saying that you're good enough or like empty empty compliments or validation is ever going to fulfill that because at the end of the day, like if you don't think, if you're not confident in yourself in something, then no one else rightfully deserves to have confidence in you. It's the difference between confidence and arrogance, isn't it? Yeah. So I feel like confidence is like, yeah, I, I know I can be good enough, but arrogance is like, I'm going into a game, it's like these things are just going to get given to me. Yeah, like I'm yeah. just going to have four four and goals I, and 30 touches. I feel like it's an old school thing as well. Like it's like that new age thing now where people are more educated in that side of things of the mindset and stuff where 
the second you start showing a bit of confidence and belief in yourself, old school people think you're arrogant. Like I get it all the time for like my parents and stuff like that and or other parents or what like I wouldn't say other parents say it to me, but like my parents said it to me before and you probably get it from other um, people your age who are like raised with their parents as they are. But like the second you start showing confidence, it just, it doesn't mean you're arrogant. Like if, like if, if I'm all of a sudden, like I relate to this, like we're talking about the other day, like um, uni for me and like my backup plan and shit. I was talking about with my nan and like, if I'm all of a sudden making all these like backup plans and deciding like I might do teaching or I might do this, I might do that. Like, all that's doing is setting up, setting myself up for failure. Like, why would I even start fooling my mind that I'm going to need another degree or I'm going to need a, like a second job to earn more money? Like in my head, all I'm doing is working towards my dream, which I'm going to achieve. Like I know that in my head. So why would I start building these backup plans for things that I don't want to do? Like I don't want to be a teacher right now. Or I don't want to go into construction or I don't want to get another job right now. So why would I start building these things which are just going to take time away from like the dream that I want to build? Like yeah. it's not it's not me being arrogant or me being it's, it's naive you. or um like blind to the fact that like the reality of things is purely just the fact that I truly believe that you're committed. Yeah, I, I define commitment as the elimination of alternatives. Yeah, so you're basically exactly saying right. like. I'm going this course of action. I'm not planning all these other things. A lot of time it's just to comfort your ego, isn't it? Mm. Just in ca- like, oh, in case this doesn't work out, I got this. So it doesn't yeah. totally make me feel worse. It justifies your risky decisions. Mm. That's sort of what happened to me though. Like what I was saying before, like when I was trying to get drafted, I sort of blocked out everything to focus on that and it happened. Um, and then obviously when it comes to an end, it was a bit of a sc- sort of scramble and a bit hectic at, when it first happened because I didn't really know what I wanted to do but now it's everything always sort of just um, works itself out mm. and I'm like I'm a pretty big believer in like it will all sort of like work itself out what would be would be sort of yeah. thing and yeah. so like and now I've realised <laughs> that it has and that's why I say like I don't have any regrets of when I was younger putting everything into footy and like I still am now like I'm not I don't have a full time job I deliberately got a casual job doing support work so that I can still grind and put work into footy because that's still my goal and then if that doesn't happen in the next couple of years then I'll sort out like I'll sort of cross that bridge when it comes um but back to the confidence thing that that's another thing coming into an organization where there's people with like who have won Brownlows or played 200 plus games or whatever and it'd be the same going into I don't know any any role where there's sort of a lot of people a corporate job even yeah and it's just like the hardest thing is like coming in you obviously have to be confident in yourself but like you then you don't want to come in and look like a knob like you don't want to come in and be all arrogant and like look at me blah blah blah. so it's such a fine line between believing in yourself and being confident enough to sort of stand up to the big dogs without coming across as arrogant or knobbish like it's hard and sporting culture and that's probably i struggled with that a little bit like early on it was super easy for me to be comfortable at the time because i sort of knew of a few of the boys because i'd been around the club um previously but then it was like i didn't want to come in and just think that like like i've been here before like and just be held like sort of 
blase and relaxed and comfortable. Like I still wanted to have that side of me that shows, say, someone like Travis or um, like the bigger, like the older guys, like that I'm respectful of them and like mm. what they've sort of built while I haven't been here sort of thing. So it's such a fine line between, yeah, I guess being arrogant and being yeah. confident. Comfortable is just the worst, the worst feeling if you want any sort of achievement and growth. Yeah. To put it simple. Well, we like I think a, we treat a lot of things in life like an end state. Yeah. It should be like a doing word. Like prime example is health. Like you don't want to be healthier. You want to be healthy. You want it's a it's a way of living. You want it to be able to keep doing it and not just achieve it and then get complacent because complacency is what leads to negative outcomes because you just expect it to happen. I think complacency then leads to like arrogance because it's almost like you think that's just going to keep happening, mm. but you have to work so hard. Even like when you go back to waffle, like, yeah, like it might be a bit easier than AFL level, but you still have to fucking work hard and be fit and strong and with your craft. Well, that's a perfect example. Like you see players, or I've seen players who might be playing AFL for 10 games straight and they get dropped and they go back to the whatever state league it is. And, like, over 50% of players come back and play shit because they just come back and be like, oh, well, I've just played the last 10 AFL games. One, because they're probably a bit filthy that they've been dropped. But two, they just think it's just they're just going to come back and dominate. And that's why there's so many... That's pro- And to be fair, that's probably what I did early days. I came back to the waffle, sort of coming in thinking that I was just going to come in and dominate. But I'd never really thought of the fact that when I was playing in ports reserves i wasn't like dominating and shooting the lights out every single week but i just because i'd come out of afl system i just thought that that was how it works sort of thing and it wasn't until i spoke to my coach like sort of midway through the year and he goes mate like you got to remember you're only 21 years old like stop putting this pressure on yourself 20 then yeah yeah i would have been 20 then he's like mate you're 20 years old like stop putting this pressure on yourself and expecting that you're just gonna dominate like you know, it's not like you've played 100 AFL games. Like you had never, didn't even play a game. Like just take the pressure off yourself and just play footy. And once I did that, um, saw results. But that would be like with anything. Like same as you. Like I don't know. It's just so many things that like, I'm obviously referring to footy because yeah, it's literally my life. But it's just it, your metaphor to compare yeah. to yeah. It it can be like used in so many different ways, in different scenarios. So. It's sort of, you need clarity, I think. Um, with 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 the footy thing then, is the communication quite good? Because we t- we're talking about dominating, right? But I feel like from my experiences, like <laughs> when you expect to play well, the word, it's sort of you lose what you're good at. You lose like the process you have of being good. This doesn't just have to be footy, but when you get in your head, you like dominate. It's not even like a specific process thing you're you're not even thinking about the specifics you're just thinking about this outcome of having a great game but you're not even thinking like okay what what am i what are three key areas that makes me a good footballer so that i can execute in the game like what makes harry good at his brand or what makes this a good podcast not just looking at numbers or what people said it's like really process driven um way i think those people as well like similar to what you're both talking about in a sense but in footy sense, those players who are confidence players or referred to as confidence players, it's just a cop-out of, like, mentally you can't hack it. Because, like, 
what a confidence player is saying is they need to sort of get that validation of getting a few touches or getting a kick to then know that they're good enough. But at the end of the day, that confidence that you got or that confidence, oh shit, that confidence, it never changed your skill. You always had that skill. And just because you got a few early touches, that doesn't mean you're all of a sudden a better player. It just means that like what you already know and what you already have is just like validated as such. So I think people... I think people, it relates to like anything, but like then in footy sense, they needed that early touch to prove that they're deserving. When really you have the skill along, just apply it and don't like, it's the mental side of the game where you know you're good enough and you know you have the skill and it's just about applying it. Mm. And it's like anything, like know that you're good enough, trust yourself and just apply it. Don't let, don't feel like you need to get views to continue a podcast or don't feel like you need to get sales instantly to can you continue your clothing brand trust yourself know that you're good enough and just keep yeah. sort of hacking away at and it i was like and i feel like that comes down to like your own expectation of performance so like say for your brand like if you have a hundred hoodies or whatever it is whatever the number is um and you don't you don't have that many sales like you're obviously going to get like a bit of head noise whereas like and it's same with me early this year like i wasn't playing bad i just wasn't playing to the level that like you said to yourself yeah. yeah and so I'm, i might have been having 20 in a goal and people probably thought i was still playing good but in my own head i was like fuck like why am i not having 25 and three goals like it's, i feel like it, it's such like a yeah it can be a bit of a expectation like, that you put on yourself as well um fuck the balance is hard though because you yeah. don't want to be like going in like no expectation yeah and then feeling because that gap that you feel is is motivates you to be better. Yeah. But it's like fuck if you can't even enjoy still playing well, it's it's really hard to get that balance doing, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. If you can't enjoy the little wins, like you shouldn't. And it's all, almost like that gold medal paradox you always speak of, where it's like, oh yeah, you get you get this thing, and again it could like statistically you get this number, and it's like or like in the gym, like what we were talking about this morning, you look this good and you put on this much weight. And then you're like, all right, I can do that. Why can't I just do a bit more? So I get 20 touches or I, why can't I just get 25 or... Well, the the medal paradox is that people who win bronze feel happier than those who won silver because the people who won bronze oh, yeah. are like feel sort of lucky yeah, yeah, or yeah. just to be on the podium and they yeah. compare themselves to the pack. While yeah. the people in silver, they compare themselves to the gold because they just missed out. Yeah. So even though the objectively the the silver medal did better than the bronze the bronze felt better about it just like if you lose an afl grand final you may as well have just finished last because at the end of the day you get nothing out of it you came that close to having this thing when all you're doing now you're just back with the pack you don't get a draft pick look at carlton they're all all the fans are happy yeah like they look so thrilled uh, even though they would have done better than um brisbane but brisbane fans would they're going to be way more disappointed yeah because they just missed out narrowly and eagles fans are fucking (laughs) <laughs> I've got a good story Jared Schofield Best coach I've ever had But an intense unit It's going to be Brandon isn't it About 10 years oh. ago Scoey told the Colts boys To meet at City Beach For a recovery session After we got thrashed We rock up And he is nowhere to be seen 10 minutes later We see this jet ski With Scoey oh. on it Going 100 kilometres Along the coast <laughs> Taj was hanging on For dear life on the back He made us swim around the ski About 200 metres out when the last person went around, they drove off back to Hillary's. <laughs> that's a true. That's a true story too. I actually remember that. 
Who was um, that from? Uh, can't say. Off air. Off air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's actually a true story. And I still remember that, actually. Cause Dad was... Wait, where'd you meet City Beach? Yeah, that's what it said, yeah. Yeah, uh, Dad, was a bit <laughs> Dad was a bit of a lunatic back in the day and he used to just do rogue stuff like that. That's so good. And that's, that's a true story. Um, and I remember it. Got the got the boys swimming out around the jet ski, and I remember it was pretty cloudy and like shitty day, and me and Dad just fanged it down the city <laughs> beach on the jet ski. <laughs> but I remember like, yeah, Dad was a pretty intense operator back in the day, but he's calmed down now. So, but um, yeah, that's a funny story. It's real funny. Has yeah, what what was like the? Have you spoken to him about like the difference in when he was? playing versus when you're in the system I, I guess he still is in the system but like um with the whole coaching and how footy is with like the mind now it's like a bigger thing but is there what sort of change have you had those conversations in terms of coaching or playing or I, both? I guess but just the whole industry how much it's changed from when oh. he was younger well it's so much more based around like the, pl- the player's welfare and mind and just mental health in general like you don't see coaches spray or talk to players doing shit like that. Yeah, doing yeah. yeah. They don't. You don't see like clubs doing shit like that anymore. And I feel like that's come off the back of like the mental health side. Um, and that's he rec- like just from like general conversations. Like that's probably the biggest thing is that like the way you got to deal with players or coaches to coaches or um, players to players, players to coaches. Um, it, yeah, it's probably more just changed around seems more like a player first operation yeah so like for example like the i'm pretty sure the coaches have a like coaches association but like yeah, yeah they do yeah, yeah. The, there's the aflpa and that's like such a big and like important thing like literally everything's run through them for yeah. the players um but yeah the biggest thing's probably just like the player welfare so and that obviously affects the way coaches can coach them. Like they can't just grill them twenty four seven because the stress that their players are sort of under and the demands of AFL is a lot different to what it used to be. I also feel like you just don't get the most out of players and a team. Yeah. It's not just like for the individual like mental health. It's also the fact that like I think this is the old school mentality of like giving a spray, um, but I. No one wants to be. Yeah, no one wants to do what they're told. And like, in terms of like, if if like small, like if someone yells at you to do something, it makes you not want to do it. Yeah, and the like, game, at least me personally, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you boys. Yeah, <laughs> the game's changed so much as well. Like, it's so much more technical now compared to what it used to be. It used to just be like, yeah, this like fucking crash and bash and like <laughs> goals. Like, and like, if you didn't do it, like, you'd get sprayed. Whereas like now, it's way more technical, and you very rarely see players getting sprayed by coaches. Is like obviously it's not it's not oh, that Wilmington. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that it's not a thing anymore but it's more just like like it's messages are delivered in a much more like articulate manner. yeah like it's, it's execution way, isn't yeah. it execution based skill technical side of things 100 percent. but yeah as harry said like the days have gone where it's like you get grilled and then you go out and come good like i feel like these days if you get grilled you almost go into your shell Mm. Well, not everyone does like personally because whether it's because I've grown up with dad like the way he used to coach but personally if I get like a bit of a whack like a bit of a spray I generally respond like I don't actually mind getting 
I think it was great. It sort of like clicks me into gear a little Have bit. Have you let your coach know that then? Yeah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess, yeah, everyone's different and that's probably the way it is these days. Like coaches build strong relationships with players and learn how they mm. learn how they learn and react to different situations. Yeah, tailored, so tailored to the individual. Yeah, you always see the coaches, the successful coaches now most prominent with Craig McRae, like they always seem like the nurturing coaches and the ones who like care and build relationships with players like all the Richmond stuff and they're all just about like love and care and building that like relationship Trust, beyond yeah. just footy mm. and it's, I guess it taps into the mindset of the game where I guess you're playing for like the personal side of things like you're playing for your mates rather than just like your teammates mm. or you're playing for your, your coach who's a fucking legend rather than just like your coach is just gonna chew your ear off and fucking spit in your face as you're in that yard did you get quite nervous before games or what about even training like would you get nervous uh my first pre-season i did because i didn't really know what i was in for and you just you don't really know the level of like training like the standard of it um but then yeah so to be honest i didn't never really got when i was at port i remember saying to someone like i never really got that nervous for games purely because all week, I would train against Zach Bud, like all of the AFL midfielders. So I'd train, obviously being in the reserves for pretty much the whole time. Um, you, every single main session, I was training against the AFL team. Mm. So I'd be playing against Boki or Ollie Wines or Butsy or Rose, like every single session. So then I'd go into games being like, well, I've just played on some of the best midfielders all week. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to get this fat and slow, like, <laughs> sample midfielder done. Like, I sort of had, sort of had that mindset, um, and that probably like held me in pretty good stead. Obviously, you get like general nerves, and then learning how to sort of deal with them through with like a mindfulness coach and that sort of stuff um, definitely helps. And just yeah, you put, sort of put that all together, and it I guess decreases your nerves. I guess. What did you learn from the mindfulness coach? I guess sort of just like how to deal with one, like nerves, how to sort of, so like obviously, yeah, dealing dealing with nerves and then there was all different things. Like we'd do like, it might be self-talk or like vis- visualisation or just general like meditation, like different heaps of different things. And I found like the visualisation stuff like was and I still do it like before every game now was like the thing that sort of helped me the most and just like it was literally as simple as laying on the floor and you could do it in any sort of way you could put music in or you could like he used to run sessions like the night before games and you literally just he might ask you a few questions and you just sort of visualize in your head and you get put in situations that you might get put in in games so when that when that time comes around you're like prepared for it and you've already sort of like experienced experienced it. Mm. Um, and then just like even little things like that I learned. Um, so like little cues to get you back on track in game. So little. like, huh? Like that word? <laughs> little. Am I saying it? Is? Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, little, <laughs> little, <laughs> little cues to get you um, like back on track in game. Yeah. So say for example, I don't know, you fuck a kick or you drop a mark or um, whatever it is, like you 
think when you're in the middle of that field, like every, like you just feel like every single person that's watching the game just watched you mm. miss that kick. So then we used to do things like, so my cue was I'd just put my hand in the air and p- so for your own sake, like you, so I'll explain it from like how I see it. So say I miss a kick and put my hand in the air. I feel as though I've acknowledged it to every single person in the stadium. So it's like it makes you move on better rather than if you don't do anything, you're just constantly thinking in your head, fuck, like... Just about letting go. Yeah, every, everyone's just thought that... Everyone's still thinking about me fucking that kick. Mm. Whereas, like, if you acknowledge it and you put and you do, like, a physical action, um, it helps that... It helps like you, it. like, move on. Mm. And it's good. Um, yeah. So that was, like, something pretty big. Because that's the biggest thing in footy, like, I reckon. It's so easy to get caught up on mistakes but like literally you might be worrying about a kick you missed to that guy but he missed the ground ball that you kicked to him so it's like there's just so many mistakes but you only worry about the ones that you're that you've done Mm. um and the quicker you can move on from them the quicker you can just get on to the next thing and i found the physical cue of putting my hand in the air and acknowledging to myself and in my head everyone in the stadium or every player on the field that yeah i acknowledge i missed that kick then you can just move on to the next thing do you, th- oh, you done? Yeah, done that. Oh, just changing topic, but do you think the um, like the phone call when you got delisted was the hardest thing you've ever heard in your life? Like, describe some of the feelings. Going Fucking hell. Yeah, straight in, straight. In. <laughs> I'll probably start crying. Nah, <laughs> that's the whole point. Nah, <laughs> to be honest, it probably was like, and because it was sort of like an unexpected thing, like I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting yeah. it, obviously, and. <laughs> Like, so I was literally just laying in bed and my manager called me and it was the last day after the last game of the year. And I was just like, fuck, like, do we, like this is going to be good or is it going to be shit? And I answered it and I just knew straight away. And then when he, when he said it, it was just like, it, I, I don't know, it's kind of so, so hard to explain. Like, it's just, it felt like all the lot, like, I think you, said it before like all the life just got like sucked out of me and i was just like literally just walked downstairs and i was just crying and mum and that were like what the fuck like what's going on what's going on and i was like oh i'm not getting a contract but then the worst thing was like mum and dad were crying because they're obviously on the journey and they ride the highs and the lows and so when they get upset i don't know it just was like it was a pretty fucking shit time as you could probably imagine um but yeah, it's more so just like the life just got sucked out of me and I was just like, this is like the worst thing ever. Like you just don't really, you just so, the whole time you're in the AFL, you just don't like think about it really. Like you just don't, you, we try not to anyway. But then until you actually get the phone call and then even still, like after I got the phone call, we had Silly Sunday that day. So like it was a real strange feeling and I d- hadn't really sunk in yet. And then the next day I had my exit meeting. So I had to obviously go in and like you go in, they knew that I knew and I obviously knew that they were going to tell me, but it's just like, I don't know. I had so many things that I wanted to say when I got into there, but like I got in there and that she just like shut the bed a little bit. I was just like so emotional that I couldn't get anything out. Um, and then my stomach's gone. <laughs> and then like you just, yeah, I don't know. It's just pretty brutal. Like that's probably the the easiest way to put it. Is just it's just brutal the way the whole thing works and like 
just a, the accumulation of little things like walking into the locker room and clearing out your locker or grabbing all my boots from the boot room and giving back my like fob to get in like just like little things like that and you just I don't know they, at the time they probably didn't seem like much but like when you're actually doing those things and you're saying goodbye to boys and like it's just like just fucking it just sucks really that's probably the easiest way to put it but and it probably wasn't for like a good couple of weeks after that I probably sort of like got moving again and just sort of started getting on with life but it's just like yeah the first initial stage is pretty raw and you just feel pretty like numb and but to answer your question yeah it probably was the hardest thing I've I've probably had to go through and experience and I guess no one really knows what it's like until you mm. experience it so and each journey as well is so unique in the sense of like your delisting would be the feeling you feel would be completely different to someone else's and yeah. so it's all just it's you're the only person that can really yeah and probably your parents as well they'd understand it just as much and i like i've I've never really like this is getting real deep now i haven't really i've never really told anyone this and i'm happy to say it now but like when i got home from my exit meeting i literally walked in the door and we had like a big bean bag like on the floor and i was just like so like upset and like disappointed that i literally like just walked in just like kicked the bean bag and just like fell to the floor and was just like sobbing on the floor and dad was like literally like cradling me like sobbing as well and it was just like I probably haven't really reflected on it but like looking back on it now like it was a pretty fucking hectic time and I don't know people probably deal with it different ways but I was pretty like distraught at the at the actual time of it um but yeah I know you as Harry would say like you you learn from like those sort of things and they make you they make you a better person and stuff and like if I was to go back into the AFL now I'd be a completely different person I'd just I know I'd feel like I'd just attack in such a different way but again yeah I've got no regrets on anything about that so yeah and you use those things as not only fuel but like every, shit like that is when you learn and grow the most and like in a situation where you're just at your rock bottom, like you, everything's just been taken away from you, it's so easy to go one or two paths that you can go down the path of just like the world's against you or you just use it as fuel to not just become like a better footballer but just like a better person, like achieve new goals and that's like exactly what you've done, which is like a testament to you. Yeah, and I, and even now like, what, like when I write in my journal sometimes, even just when I'm driving, like listening to music, like just the smallest things. Like I, I was talking, I think I might've been talking to mum about it, but like just how like I have moments where I'm just like, my life has changed so much. Like in the last like 18 months, I've gone from like living in Adelaide, playing for Port to like thinking that that's going to happen for the next 10 years to now like I'm back um back in Perth like it's not it's just like a completely different life I'm literally in a different state I've still got heaps of mates in Adelaide but like then I'm just like at the same time like I'm perfectly fine and I've Mm. overcome it and it's just like keeps reinforcing that like yeah you can go through pretty fucked up times but it's it's what you sort of do like in the moment like and you how you you, react to them yeah you always come out the other side like 
you might not like you always learn something from it and become a better person and that sort of like gives me confidence to sort of take anything head on now that like if it goes to shit like i know i'm gonna be all right um so yeah yeah that's probably the biggest thing i've and to this point of like and it's the whole perspective thing like i saw it on actually i read in a book last week and i saw it on tiktok again today and it's a theory about like to this point of your life everything has been 100 percent successful all those worst case scenarios none of them have happened like there's a zero percent all these big thoughts that you think of like we all i'm sure you're going through so much shit like in your head of what how your life's going to look when you got delisted and you were thinking of all these worst case scenarios like none of that's ever happened like mm. you've gotten to this point of your life each and each individual where you think of all these massive things which could happen but you never actually step back and think of like what if it doesn't happen and what if like the best case scenario does happen what if everything does go well mm. and when you start shifting and like what you're saying before and putting focus on like the smaller things and just taking like joys and success out of like those smaller things and just enjoying like the ride and the life that you live in that's when the good things start happening to you and it's just like manifesting and putting those energies out there and like from you from like the outside like obviously being like best mates since 12 or 13 whatever it is like there were so many times when you were in the AFL system for various of reasons where like you're like a shadow of who you should be and like the person you are and like it obviously would come into like as a barrier for so many things at the time I'd been footy or whatever come in a barrier of like other goals and purposes you wanted to be, to be. and I, I'm sure like your parents could probably say it now but I think now in these last few months like for a whole load of reasons you've 100% like the, the happiest and seemed like the most driven you've ever been and it's Excellent. because you're like doing things that like you probably never had the opportunity or like never actually like committed to and you feel like just you I don't know you drive into things beyond just like a confined like football if that makes sense what's the difference between being a fringe player in the AFL versus going to like you know being a subi and being one of the high end players like being like the s- small small fish in a big pond being more of a relatively bigger fish because like i feel like it changes your experience so much with everything because you just feel like the pressure everything can become can be filtered so differently in your head just because of your relative perception of where you sit amongst a group of boys or men 100 percent. i was literally talking to what was i talking to i was about well, was mitch georgiades we went for a run the other day and we were talking about it and i was just saying how like this year of footy has been the funnest year of footy I've had. And purely because, like, I was playing to win a premiership. I was playing for fun. But I didn't have to worry about all the other bullshit of, oh, am I going to get a game this week? Am I going to, like, am I going to get picked in there? Like, I was just playing footy to play footy and have fun and win a premiership. Like, I wasn't playing to try and get – well, I still am. It's Like, I wasn't playing to get an AFL game every week. And when I was in the AFL – like last year, it was probably genuinely the most draining year of my life. Like because, especially when I started playing well when I was emergency, and like you're getting told by people that you're close to playing and you're playing really well, like blah blah. blah. But it was like all week you build yourself up thinking that you might play, then you get told you're not going to play, 
and you just drop straight back down. But then you got a game in a day, so you got to get yourself back up. Mm. Then you play well, and you're on you're on a high again, thinking that you're going to play the next week. Then you don't get picked, and you go back down. And it's literally just a roller coaster like the whole time. Whereas this year, it was just like you play well, then you don't have to worry about anything. You just play well, and then you collect your matches. <laughs> <laughs> you play well, then you move on to the next week, and you play well again, and the team's winning, and it's just like you don't have to worry about like oh fuck, like am I going to play AFL this week? Like mm. you just play, like, and you just have fun, and I. I know that's probably the biggest thing that I noticed this year is I just had so much more fun. Um, and yeah. Yeah, when you're comfortable in the team, your focus changes. But that's where good team cultures are able to like, it's it's from that like 15th to 30th player gap where there's like, oh, there's roles and there's, it's you know, there's a lot of fringe players and that's where the good teams, like I feel like Collingwood pretty good at it, where like you're able to like have a good culture for those because it's really easy to be a fringe player and just be so caught up. It's, it's fucking hard, isn't it? It's a hard, yeah, it's, it's literally like, the hardest position to be in. And uh, like with Noah, like yeah. Nash, Noah Rash, he was literally in the same position as me, but like for Subi, like league and reserves where it's like, he probably feels like he should be playing league because he's playing really good reserves footy. And then when he plays league, he plays well enough to stay in the team, but it's just like the, the way it goes sometimes. And I try to really just like, relate to him and help him out this year because it's it's a pretty fucked position to be in and you can lose so you can just lose sight of what you what you need to what do to play to good for as well and i feel like that's what like like i'll pump my own tires up here but like last year i feel like that's what i did really well without sort of even knowing like this year last season like when i was at port all oh, right yeah because like i would be so disappointed that i wasn't playing afl but then, like, I'd still sort of find a way to play good on the weekend. And it probably wasn't till when there was probably, like, five games left. And I was, like, sort of, like, fuck, I'm running out of time here to, to play. Where it sort of just, like, spiralled out a little bit and I lost my way. Um, but then again, the yeah, season came to an end. But it's definitely the hardest position to be in because it's such a fine line of being disappointed that you're not getting a game. But being able to move on quickly enough to play well on the weekend and put yourself up for selection the following week. Because it can all... And Dad always says to me, like, everything and everything in life can all just change so quickly and you just have to be... You just have to be prepared for sort of anything like that. Like, you could do a, a drop with your brand that blows up like that and yeah. all of a sudden you're running this brand that's fucking massive. Literally. Like, it can all just... Mm. Like, I could, I don't know, get picked up and all of a sudden you're back in the AFL and you just got to be ready to go. Like yeah. you can't, you can't waste that opportunity. So on the flip side, I listened to this podcast with um, Jackson Warren and Ant Middleton. And it's like, that's a good, that's a good combo. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was Jackson Warren's first time publicly like going on a podcast or a forum to speak about like Shane Warren's passing. And he was just talking about that. Like everything just changes so quickly. It's like all of a sudden what, like one minute you're talking to your dad and telling him like, he was playing all these things and life's all sweet. And then next minute he's gone and like, he has to like shelter all this responsibility for not only himself, but his family. And then just like uphold the responsibility of like having to keep on moving forward and having to like not veer down the wrong path from such a traumatic event. Mm. But then on, on the positive side as well, like, yeah, such op an opportunity can just come like that. And all of a sudden you've just got to be just like, things can, for a positive side things can flip 
so well so quickly and that's like the sort of jump that like when you when you're sort of trying to breed that successful mindset you got to be just like ready for it and prepared and believe that it's going to happen so at any given moment it's going to happen so whether it's this week whether it's next week whether it's in five years trust that's going to happen when it happens it's like all right fuck here we go this is what i've just been waiting for yeah we spoke earlier about like almost feeling not entitled to you know put all that investment into yourself but then if you do then you're ready when the opportunity comes yeah and entitlement goes both ways as well it's like the entitlement of i read in a book and it's like the entitlement of um where it's like you're actually not good enough but you're expecting all these things is like the bad entitlement but the entitlement of being like i am good enough and i am i know i can do these things so why am i getting them that makes sense where it's like that's the entitlement of striving to like actually want to get the things that you know that you're deserving of whereas a you know i mean like you can it works both ways just like ego there's such a fine balance with those things that have such negative connotations to it but they're only negative connotations because publicly they're only ever represented like that but like if you use them to your like advantage like something like entitlement if you ever hear the word entitlement you just think of like a rich kid who thinks he like deserves everything but like positively you should know your value like if it can relate to a relationship it can relate to a job role you should know what you're worth and you should know what you deserve and if you're not getting that then don't just fucking like settle for it and don't just like let's let that mediocrity just you know i mean fulfill you like fucking chase what you're deserving of and don't let that like low level be your norm i feel like we know that you're entitled to more with entitlement i frame it as like it's very external it's like if you if an entitled person expects other people to do things for them Mm. or you know yeah not really eh? they should you should should try and like have a a closing again segment this is feedback on a loop live feedback but like i feel like every good successful podcast i see at least has like some closing tradition Mm. so whether it's like diary of ceo is my favorite one where it's like you leave a question for the next guest wow that's every guest every guest um leaves the next question for a future guest not knowing who it's for so he read at the end of every episode Stephen Butler goes like closing tradition is um a previous guest leaves a question for a future guest not knowing who it's for and he reads it out and then it's just off it might be a a 30 second answer it might be a 15 minute but it's can of worms yeah and I think I just think personally a closing tradition is so important on the podcast because it just like solidifies what you whether it's something to go bang or whether it's something to show the person's personality yeah yeah I I got it I got so the show motto is embrace the uncertainty. How are you going to embrace the uncertainty? To us both. Yeah, why not? Um, or I, I think about this shit all the time. Like I love uncertainty, Un- uncertainty as a whole because I think for me moving forward, it's just, and I think I've done it well, especially this year. When the bad times come and when like shit goes hits the fan don't let it suck you out sort of be excited by um 
trauma, not trauma because that's a bit fucking deep, but be excited by like the waves of the journey because not everything's going to go to plan, but like the things that don't go to plan just open up new doors, new, new experiences. And I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it and I wouldn't say it if it hasn't happened to me, but every time something's gone off path or not how I expected or seemingly face value bad at the time of the event or whatever it is like it's led to something 10 times better which never would have happened in the in the previous case so i guess that just um continue to hold that mindset and believe that whatever comes my way it's meant to be there and um whether it's bad grow from it whether it's good you deserve it and i guess when it is good take the time to actually feel like you deserve it and um, appreciate the good things more because I can get caught up on not on the big picture and not um, celebrating little wings along the way. So continue to do that and continue to bounce back off um, uncertain times. Yeah, mine's pretty similar. Um, mine's sort of more just like I I said I wasn't going to bring it up, but I will. But like going through a breakup a few months ago, sort of since then I've always, I've said to myself that I'm not going to force anything and I'm just sort of just going to go about my thing and do what I need to do to make myself better and happy and everything will sort of just fall into place around it. Um, And I guess that uncertainty of what lies ahead, whether that's footy, relationships, work, like study, whatever it is, um, I'm just going to stay, yeah, stay as present as I can and I guess just work on work on myself and from a footy perspective, just keep grinding and, um, yeah, just let everything sort of fall into place on its own and not sort of force anything. That's probably, I think I've said it to you a few times, yeah. like, yeah, just not forcing anything and it will all work itself out. Yeah, Control the controllables. Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly excited more than anything. Hey? Like, I love... Well, if you're guaranteed to be successful, it sort of takes away the yeah. The, yeah. the the love of the journey. Yeah. In my head, I know I, like things are going to happen. Well, I, I it's want manifestation. Yeah, I but I just love knowing that things can just get changed so quickly. And like, I love knowing that next year I could just go on of like me and I were talking about say living in Bali for like a few months. That's something that I generally think it's something that I want to do, but I'm not just going to like force it or plan it i'll just it'll just be something that just happens mm. and it, all this shit like there's so many big fucking ideas in my head and so <laughs> many things i want to do and so many things that could happen but it's just like i'll just let it happen and just like when the time's right i'll just pull the trigger and that shit just excites me how do you balance that with the fact that most successful people come from just doing the same thing over and over and ma- mastering their craft which i do quite like in terms of my craft i'm very like habitual with that in terms of i'm always i'm i do chip away at those things but more so i think it's my external environment the uncertainty where it's like i could move here i could move there i could go on a holiday there but in terms of my ingrained like actual um philosophies i'm very much and taj can say can vouch but i'm very much just like i i I need to do this and i'll just continually do this shit but it's just the the sense that things could go so well or so wrong and either way something cool is going to come from it is what excites me so the why is the same but the what yeah and and what yeah 
or more so, yeah, in a sense, what I'm doing is the same in the sense that like the the gears in my machine of, I guess, my business side of my life are the same. Like I'm very much got these routines and motivations, but it's just where it can take me. Yeah, okay. Lo- physical location, mental well-being, um, financial opportunity everything is just so up in the air and that's fucking sick that's good you don't want to put a glass ceiling on it you don't know to the fucking moon baby yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks for coming on taj and thanks for coming on harry thanks for having me pleasure as always thank you for listening everybody was so grateful to have taj on as a big footy player myself i love to hear the insight into the afl system and what he believes it takes to be successful Very optimistic Taj will get another crack at AFL and I'm hoping he gets his opportunity. Not only this, but his improved life balance while still remaining fully dedicated is a lesson in itself. Thank you again, Legends, and I'll see you on the next episode.